0: Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand.
1: Wonderful. The Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Starts now. Hour number three. Busy Thursday night. Dan Grasa Show, 98.7 ESPN. Taking it for another 60 at 800-919-3776. At Dan Grassas, where you can chime in on Twitter, G-R-A-C-A. Busy night. We got baseball. We got football. We'll even get into some NBA here coming up in just a few minutes. Judge watch, status quo. Three plate appearances, two walks, and a strikeout. But we're only in the top of the sixth inning. So he's going to get at least one, who knows, maybe even two more cracks at 61 this evening. More importantly, though, the not even, you know, can we say more importantly? I think the home run record is more important right now than the outcome of this game. Yanks are in good shape. Um, the, the Yankees do have a one nothing lead. As they go bottom six in the Bronx. And Jamison Tyone is out there throwing pretty good game by all accounts. Um, Mets are off tonight. They're going to begin a series in Oakland coming up tomorrow. But they are getting some help on the out-of-town scoreboard. Phillies lead the Bravos one to nothing. That one in the bottom of the fifth inning in Philadelphia. Max Fried on the mound for Atlanta. Boy, can Philadelphia put some runs on the board, you know, get a little bit of insurance? I mean, the Braves have, you know, Braves did this to Philadelphia last weekend in their place. You know, they hung around, they were trailing by like a run or two, and then they'd rally in the late innings and, and walk out of there with a victory. Phils have to get at least two of these four games uh, in this series, in my opinion. So what better way to make good on that than to get the first one tonight? They got themselves a one nothing lead. Thursday Night Football, 7-7, second quarter, Steelers and the Brownies. You know, we were even just talking about this sir, a little while ago. Like, I I know the Browns are up against it this year because Deshaun Watson's going to be gone for 11 games with a suspension. Jacoby Brissett, you know, he's got almost two and a half games under his belt so far. He's way down on the list of problems for Cleveland right now. He's actually done a real, real nice job. And that's a credit to him. I mean, he's still not somebody that I would want maybe as my guy for the entire season. You know, Watson is clearly the superior player. But with that run game, and they can control the tempo on the offensive line and just wear teams out, you can hang around until late November when the quarterback returns, and then maybe you make a playoff push here. But 7-7 is our score as we kick off week number three. We haven't heard much of Ben Simmons at all, have we? Over the last couple of years, you know, Ben Simmons is almost like, you know, the Loch Ness Monster, the abominable snowman, whatever mythical creature, you know, Bigfoot, right, whatever, you know, creature you're in, you know, uh, you know, tale of legends that you want to associate it with. We, We just haven't seen him, haven't heard from him, at least not the basketball player, Ben Simmons. And so much is expected of this Nets team this year because, hey, now all of a sudden KD wants to come back and all of a sudden you know Kyrie is a happy camper and, oh, yeah, Ben Simmons is there. And they're going to join forces and hopefully deliver the Nets to glory and bigger and better. But a lot of skepticism attached when you think about all the variables of just those three guys that I mentioned. KD, you don't know what he's thinking on any given day now and if he really truly wants to be there, if he's going to go all in on his word. Kyrie... He's about as fluky as the weather forecast. And Ben Simmons, he's probably the most unpredictable of the three. This guy hasn't played basketball in a couple of years. And we don't know, is it his mental state? Do we know, is it the back? Like, what is going to keep Ben Simmons from achieving all of this excellence that the Nets are putting a hell of a lot of stock into? Which is it going to be? And is it going to be enough to derail whatever the Nets hope to accomplish this season? So Ben Simmons went on J.J. Reddick's podcast. You know, they were former teammates together for a time there in Philadelphia. It's called the Old Man and the Three podcast. And he spoke about a bunch of different things, like where he's at right now in terms of inner peace.
2: It's not about the money for me now. Like, I want peace and happiness. Like, I want to be in a good place. Um, and that if that costs me whatever it's going to cost, it that's what it costs. Like, my peace is more valuable than, you know, money. I got to be honest with you,
1: when I heard his voice, I didn't even know what he I I forgot what he sounded like. I didn't even remember what Ben Simmons sounded like at all. So it was refreshing to kind of hear. I mean, he's lost that Australian accent a little bit. You wouldn't even know that it's there. You know, he ain't making anybody, he's not reminding you of Timmy Trumpet, our buddy Timmy, right? That's not happening. Bring me trumpet, play the song. (laughs) I knew that was coming. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But all kidding aside, though, with, with Ben, you know, he was going through some, some mental struggles. Giancarlo Stanton goes Apo Taco to give the Yankees a 3-0 lead. So it's not Judge, but it is Stanton, and the Yankees have a 3-0 edge now in the bottom of the sixth inning, number 28 for Giancarlo. But, you know, the mental health issues, that's certainly something serious. He was asked by J.J. on the podcast, when did these issues start?
2: me a long time the first thing for me was like really identify like okay i gotta really you know i gotta get right and it's not a physical thing it's mentally and just i think that first thing of acknowledging it is like a huge step for me and i was like okay like i need to address this i need i need help in these areas um and being able to do that that was the start of you know getting to where i'm at now i'm like in a great place and i feel comfortable talking about it now but those are some dark days for me
1: You don't want to certainly deny what somebody is going through, and you take their word for it and those type of things. The only problem is is that there were so many things swirling around with Ben Simmons. Like, first it was the mental health thing. Then he got out of Philadelphia, and then all of a sudden this back injury came out of nowhere. And we saw him on the practice floor in Brooklyn doing everything possible except actually maybe shooting the basketball. And he was just sitting there dribbling. And, you know, the term that the Nets would always use was ramping it up. He was ramping it up constantly. But you wanted to see him play. Well, was he ramping it up because the back was not preventing or was preventing him from going out there and actually fulfilling all of this wonderful God-given ability that he has on the basketball floor? Or was it still stuff that was going on with the mental health that we just weren't being told about? You know, So I think that that's where all of this kind of skepticism you know, is rooted in. And I don't think you're wrong for even thinking that or even questioning it because you just want a straight answer. Because one day it was this, the next day it was something entirely different. And all the Nets care about right now is making sure this guy can gather on the floor and help him win games. guy making a lot of money, and he hasn't played in two years. Because whatever you think of James Harden, whether you think that He's committed, that he's all in. We know that he wasn't when he was in Brooklyn, and he didn't want to be here anymore. But he is still a valuable asset. Unfortunately, it wasn't for Brooklyn. But as soon as he goes to Philadelphia, then all of a sudden, it's like he's a different guy. And now he committed himself during the offseason. He took a hometown discount so they could go out there and bring in better players. He got in shape. He lost some pounds. And James Harden's probably going to go out there and have a good season, something that he never did here in Brooklyn. But he's still valuable, and he's valuable for the 76ers. And when you look at the trade that was made, all the Nets did was alleviate a giant burden from Philadelphia. And it was a situation that had reached a complete and total dead end that was never going to be able to be revived again. So if he's not going to play for you, then why would the Nets bend over backwards, and why would they be so gung-ho to help out a, a team that they're competing with in the Eastern Conference and, more importantly, competing with in their own division? And relatively the same kind of geography, that's not why they made the trade. Ben was asked where he's at right now in his life.
2: I think it was like you know you're you're I'm already dealing with a lot mentally just in life as a lot of people do, but it got to a point where after that series, I'm getting the it's like from the people that you're supposed to have the support from. Or, or that you know that comfort from, and I wasn't getting that either. So it was just a lot. It was a toll on me, and then mentally, I just it killed me. I was like, no energy for anything. Like I was in a dark place.
1: The problem with the the Nets, okay, and we said this all along. Even, you know, when it comes to what the Knicks were doing early in the summer with the draft and free agency and all these things, when we're stacking up the favorites, and you're talking about the teams that could compete that could be in the mix for the top prize and all those things. Last year was supposed to be Nets-Lakers. Those were the favorites before the season started because of all the top-end talent that both of those teams had. We know now that all went by the wayside. I can't put the Nets in that category right now. I can't because of all the uncertainty. The three guys that are going to make up whether this team excels or whether they're just a major disappointment, just completely shrouded in controversy. I, I can't go all in. I need to see it with my own eyes before I can believe that the Nets are actually going to be a top-flight team this year. And how can you? Probably get good odds on them right now. Like, if you really are willing to believe that they're going to put all this other stuff behind them, that Kevin Durant's going to be committed for 82 games, Kyrie Irving is not going to be fishing around to see where else can I go that's going to give me the money that I want. And Ben Simmons is actually going to put all the, the, the mental stuff, all the back issues to the side, and he's going to go out there and play like, you know, an all-star player like he was in the past. That is a lot of ifs. I'm not an ifs guy. I'm a results guy. Tell me what you're doing. Prove it to me. You might be a little bit more optimistic than myself. I can't go there. Not going to allow myself to. So if I'm thinking about serious threats in the Eastern Conference this year, Obviously, Milwaukee. I would say Boston, even though now who the hell knows what's going on with the head coach and, and, and stuff like that. Miami is a team because they have that structure put together. Philadelphia, because if you have Embiid healthy and you have James Harden healthy, committed, in shape, those are two dudes that could take the Sixers a good long way. You look at how Cleveland improved during the offseason. Now they got Spider Mitchell. If Chicago, and I say if, and you know Chicago, you know, Lonzo Ball now is going under the knife. Like the, the Bulls just can't catch a break with these injuries. Think about last year when the Bulls, before all the injuries started to take place, I guess it was in sometime in March, right? But the Bulls were, like, at or near the top of the Eastern Conference. Like, they were playing really, really good basketball, and then everything started to fall apart. There's a lot of teams in contention coming out of this conference. And the Nets, to me, until proven otherwise, are nothing more than just one giant soap opera right now. And lastly, we can't leave you without talking about this. Certainly, like, the falling out point, for Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, was during that playoff series where he passed up the easy layup, the dunk, whatever you want to call it, in the playoffs against the Hawks. Remember when he dished the basketball? This was Ben explaining his side of that story.
2: Now, in the moment, I just spun, and I'm assuming Trey's going to come over quicker. So I'm thinking he's going to come full blown. and I see Matisse going. I'm, You know, Matisse, Matisse is athletic and get up. So I'm thinking, okay, quick pass, he's going to flush it not knowing how much space there was. It happened It happened so quick that you just make a read. And in the playoffs, you need to make the right decisions majority of the time. And for that moment, bro, it, it happened, and I was just like, okay, now we got to go make another play. It's
1: amazing two years later we're talking about this still, right? Because we don't have closure. At least not maybe the people in Philadelphia. I mean, they just wanted to rid the headache, That's what, and they got that. But now the people over here that are Nets fans, for example, and are still waiting to see Ben Simmons fulfill all of this you know, wondrous talent here with the Brooklyn Nets, you do still have to talk about what happened in the playoffs two years ago, because we haven't seen him since. It's amazing that it's still come down to all that. 800 919 that's the telephone number. We come back, we're going to keep on the basketball theme. Because ESPN has done this kind of like leading up to the season, where... They've done a top 100 rankings of the best players in the NBA. And now they're down to the top 10. And certainly the ordering of some of these names, a few head scratchers. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Dan Grass's show, 98.7 ESPN. By the way, in case you haven't heard, we're taking the show on the road. That's right. Monday, this upcoming Monday, like, what, four days from now? We are going to be broadcasting live from Resorts World Casino in Queens, 110-00 Rockaway Boulevard. That is in Queens, of course. We are going to be at Bar 360 doing the show live from 7 to 10 on Monday. Giants are going to be playing the Cowboys on Monday Night Football, so it's our overreaction Monday show, but we're going to be live at Resorts World. Looking forward to that. Bart Oates is going to swing by the former two-time Super Bowl champion center for the New York Giants. Well, actually, he has three Super Bowls. He won one with the 49ers afterwards. But with the Giants, he won two Super Bowls. So Bart is going to be there. A lot of football. Who knows? We may or may not even be talking about a, uh, an Aaron Judge home run record watch by the time Monday rolls around. We shall see. But want everybody to come out, swing by, say hi, have a good time, and we'll watch some Monday night football together. That is Monday, Resorts World Casino in Queens 13 is our score the Steelers lead the Brownies in the second quarter and you know why it's 14 13? because the Browns missed an extra point where have we seen that before when talking about Cleveland look they're not going to get rid of Cade York they used a fourth round draft choice on him this past year he's a rookie but I mean two weeks in a row you're missing a PAT I mean you know got to be better than that you got to be better than that. And we know how costly the one last week was. If you're a Browns fan, you hope that that one doesn't come back to bite you tonight as much as the one did last week, of course, against the New York Jets. So, talking about the NBA rankings right now. in ESPN, they've been doing the top 100 leading up to the start of the season, of course, here. And today they unveiled numbers 6 through 10. So by process of elimination, if you go by who who already has been unveiled, you know who the top five are. But anyways, the the, the 6 to 10 is a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. Because number one, you got Devin Booker at 10. All right, fine. Number nine is John Morant. Okay, John Morant had a career season last year. Phenomenal. If he continues on the same path, we're probably talking about John Morant maybe even in the top five by this time next year kevin durant's number eight okay say what you want about kevin durant you might hate the way that he went about his business during the offseason i'm one of them you might be tired of the act right we've all been there but let's be fair are there really seven players in the nba better than kevin durant right now honestly Be, be be honest Name seven players in the sport who are better than Kevin Durant. You can't. You really just can't. Reese McGuire, by the way, just hits a go-ahead three-run homer for the Boston Red Sox. And they have now a 4-3 to lead over the Yankees and the Bronx in the seventh inning. Clark Schmidt, the culprit. But really, Kevin Durant, eighth? Jason Tatum is number seven, and I get it. Goes to the NBA Finals, but Jason Tatum's not better than Kevin Durant. Not yet. Not yet. LeBron James is number six. There are five players in the NBA better than LeBron James at this stage of his career. Is that really and truly, I I mean, look, I understand, you know, LeBron's not what he was. Might have lost a little bit. But you really think there's five guys better than LeBron James? So anyways, you go through this. And you look at this list. Here's the top five. And and we don't know the order, how they're going to be ranked. But these are the five that have not been included yet on the list. Luka Doncic. Giannis, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, and Steph Curry. First of all, I think it's cool that two of them are centers. I think that's great. The fact that you have big men who are considered, you know, the elite of the elite in the NBA, I think that's fantastic. And the fact that you've had a center now win back-to-back MVPs, tremendous. Different kind of centers, you know, different from the guys that we saw dominate the league back in the day when it was a big man's game. But they're kind of redefining the position, aren't they? But Luka, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, and Curry. LeBron is number If, if LeBron is number six, and you don't think there are five players in the NBA better than LeBron James, which of those five are you taking out right now? Which of those five are you taking out of the top five and sticking LeBron in there because he's LeBron? And maybe the consistency isn't what it once was, and you know, getting up there with age and taking some games off and that type of thing. But that being said, he's still the guy. You're taking Luka or LeBron? And this isn't like for the next 5, 10 years or something because, of course, you would take Luka Doncic. He's got a, a much longer career ahead of him than LeBron James does. This is just, I, I interpret this as the here and now, right? So if you're talking about the NBA season for 2022-23, LeBron or Luka? All right, I'm taking Luka. I, I, I just am. LeBron or Giannis? Taking Giannis. LeBron or Embiid. I mean, Embiid came this close to winning the damn MVP last year, like that's good of a that's as good of a season he had, and if he could stay healthy, you know what type of a threat that Joel Embiid could be. So if you ask yourself, all right, is that the one? Maybe I'm scratching my head over, right? Because the other thing about LeBron is, and maybe this is where he loses points a little bit. How many games is he going to play in? Is it only going to be 50-something games, which is kind of like what we've become accustomed to seeing with LeBron? Or is he actually going to go out there and maybe lay it on the line and, dare I say, maybe play at least 70 games? Because I think that maybe you lose some points if you're talking about a guy who's only going to be maybe not a part-time player but a glorified part-time player. You know, Joel Embiid has never really been a guy who you looked at and said, oh, this is is a guy who's always healthy. He always plays. Because Embiid misses time. Embiid's had to deal with injuries. When he plays, he's really, really, really good. And last year, I mean, he was playing so well that if he gave him the MVP award, I mean, would there really have been this, like, mass uproar if that happened? Probably not. And then Jokic is the MVP of the league. Back-to-back. Two consecutive years. He's hard to top. You know, you like to see his team maybe do a little bit better and go on a deep run in the month of, or in the spring, once the NBA playoffs arrive. But other than that, he checks a lot of boxes. A lot of boxes. And then Curry. Curry is Curry. And he validated himself, not that he needed any sort of validation. But he just proved once again why he is indeed one of the all-time greats and one of the best players of all time. Not top ten players of all time, right? We've had enough of those conversations after winning that championship. But he's still great. He's still great. And when you think about Curry, like, okay, Curry's a nice weapon to have even come playoff time, especially when it comes to the long-range shot, going off at a moment's notice. Right? Finally got that finals MVP and all those things. So if you still think of LeBron as this mythical player, which, look, he's still great. He's just not going to be as durable as he once was. Can you take any one of those five players out for LeBron James? I don't know if I can. You know, because that's why, like, we we our natural instinct is to just wonder aloud and say... There's not five players in the world better than LeBron James. Why well, I just gave you five right now. Who are you taking out? Tell me. And let's take it even further with, with Kevin Durant. All right, Kevin Durant, they have eighth. Are there seven guys in the world right now better than Kevin Durant? I mentioned Tatum. I think I'd still take KD over Tatum because they have Tatum at seventh, one spot ahead of KD. I'm taking Durant. If you're going to tell me he's healthy – And he's not going to miss a month with this or a month with that. And he's just going to go out there, play 70 to 75 games, be a lethal scorer because it wasn't that long ago where we were talking about Durant as arguably being the best basketball player on the planet or the best scorer on the planet. And then last year happened. And then that all went belly up. I could make more of a case That LeBron is probably slotted in the correct spot more so than Kevin Durant. Because I think KD got hosed a little bit here. And not that he cares. Maybe, you know, maybe he does. Think about how many football players, for example, are just, which I, I can't for the life of me figure out why they even spend five seconds worrying about. But how many football players are tweeting out that they're ranked wrong on Madden and their are their Madden ranking is too high they're too low in this and they're not getting the respect that they deserve and this is right and this is wrong like dude it's a video game who cares like go out there and just play for real on the field that's all that's going to determine your your lot in life not what you are in a video game like that to me is just like the dumbest thing so Do these guys actually pay attention to the rankings? I know that they kind of need self-motivation, it seems, and fuel to be able to go out there and get motivated to play a season. If they need something like this, then you know what? More power to them. I think it's ridiculous. But if they're looking at this thing long and hard, I think LeBron James is probably better slotted than Kevin Durant is, according to the folks that made up this ranking. Of the top 100 players here in the NBA. And tomorrow they're going to unveil the top 5. And we'll see how these guys are slotted. If you're asking me to rank the 5. It's tough. I'll say. Embiid 5. Luka 4. Curry 3. Jokic 2, Giannis 1. I'm still on Team Giannis. Lock it in. Lock it in. I'm still on Team Giannis. Team Greek. That's me. That is me. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back a word or two on the Mets. I know they didn't play tonight, but there's still a lot riding for them, of course, with this upcoming series out there in Oakland against the lowly A's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We roll till 10. Dan Gross' show, 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. Another at-bat for Judge. I'm going to give you a guess what he just did. I'm going to give you a guess. You think he hit a home run? Show of hands, how many people think he hit a home run? No, he didn't hit a home run. He didn't hit a home run. He walked much what he's done all night four plate appearances three walks and he has a strikeout to show for it um still at 316 xander bogarts who's on the other side of the field tonight is oh for four so he's down to 314 uh Luis Arise, he played today for minnesota he had a hit but he's still stuck at 313 for the minnesota twins so judge right now has a two-point lead in the batting race and clearly comfortably still ahead when it comes to the Triple Crown. And that on-base percentage keeps shooting up with all these walks. Red Sox are pitching him. You know, they're, they're actually giving him pitches to hit legitimately. So if Judge was aggressive and if he was eager, he'd be swinging the bat tonight with a chance to do something. But he's patient because now the Yankees are losing. You know, the Yankees are worrying about trying to get a run home here to at least tie the game or maybe even take the lead. So that was probably a little bit of a different at-bat for judge even more so than the one that he had two nights ago to lead off the ninth against the pirates that he hit out of the ballpark because now i mean that was a four-run game i I, look yankees came back and they won it improbably but you're not going to erase a four-run deficit in the ninth inning every single time it happens this is a one-run game with three innings to spare now you're focusing on all right what do i do up there just to keep the line moving right, and to give us a chance to get that run back and maybe even win this game. So he's being patient, and, and that's something you give him credit. You know, he's talked about that a lot. Also, before we get back to uh, the phones here, Celtics have put out a statement, and they have indeed officially suspended uh, head coach Ime Udoka for the entire season. Celtics announced today that the team has suspended head coach Ime Udoka for the 2022-23 season for violations of team policies. A decision about his future with the Celtics beyond this season will be made at a later date. The suspension takes effect immediately. Joe Mazzula, who is an assistant coach, is only 34 years old, he is going to coach the Celtics this season on an interim basis. I guess the question I have is, why wouldn't you just have Brad Stevens coach the team, right? Why, why, why wouldn't Brad Stevens coach the team? Right. He's sitting upstairs. He's overseeing this entire operation. Why wouldn't he just come down and say. I got this, unless he just doesn't want to coach anymore. I don't know. Mets in Oakland tomorrow. To take on the low liais. But remember, Oakland, you know, say this about them. They might have one of the worst records in baseball. I think they have the worst record in the American League. They're 40 games under 500. They're a mess. But they just just took two out of three games against the Mariners in their ballpark. Um, They've been pitching pretty well as opposed to today. It's one of those things that you just can't sleepwalk if you're the New York Mets. And just don't waltz in there thinking, oh, the A's stink. We're going to have no problem with them. you got to take care of business. you got Bassett tomorrow. And the thing about Bassett that's interesting, this is his old team. He knows a lot of the guys over there. You hope that the – you know, that was his old ballpark. Um You hope that the emotions don't factor into his performance because they need Bassett to pitch a big game. DeGrom on Saturday, Scherzer on Sunday. Sweep the A's. Sweep them. I don't think it's that out of the question. The pitching matchups favor you in each and every one of them. You know who's pitching on Sunday for the A's? The uh, former Yankee legend J.P. Sears, who was part of the Montas deal. Go out there and win all three games against Oakland. Is that too much to ask? You got a one-game lead right now with the Bravos. That could be one and a half by the end of the night because Philadelphia's got a one-nothing lead on Atlanta in the seventh inning tonight in Philly. And if the Braves lose tonight, then you're ahead of them even in the loss column. You got that one-game lead in the loss, which is extremely big because after tonight, the Mets will still have played one more game than Atlanta this year. So the Braves are going to have that last one to make up, and even if they win it, who cares if you still got them beat in the loss column. So we'll see what happens. Big series. You got your big pitchers. Could go one of two ways. It could go the way that you expect it to, and you take care of business, win all three games, and then on to the next series. Or it's kind of like a same old Mets type thing where you expect them to win, but then they go out there and they lay an egg, and then you sit there scratching your head saying, what is this team going to do for the last two weeks of the season? Are they going to blow this thing again? Are they going to keep the door open for the Atlanta Braves to win their fifth consecutive National League East title? I have faith that they're going to get it done. I do. I, I, I just think that they're a much better team. You know? They are. And I was impressed by what they did in Milwaukee in winning, a, in winning at least two out of three. And in the manner in which they won that second game, you know, coming back from the dead, and Lindor with that grand slam, I think that this team has kind of turned a corner a bit. And then they were flat on Wednesday, but what, it, it happens. You know, hopefully the day off, they recharge their batteries a little bit. And go out there and beat a team you're expected to beat. Yankees don't get a run home in that seventh inning. They had the first two men on, nobody out, but it's four-three. Sox going to the eighth inning out in the Bronx. Let's say hi to Rob. He's in Massachusetts. He's up next here on ninety-eight ESPN. Robbie, how we doing?
0: Hey, what's going on, Dan? I guess I'm behind you a little bit. I must have rewound the game I'm watching. Can you please explain a couple of things to me? You got yep. Michael. Uh, excuse me. You got Jameson tie on pitching a four-hit shutout. Can you please explain why he comes out of the game? He looked good. He's pitching well. And if you're going to take him out after 100 pitches, why is Clark Schmidt in there? Put your seventh inning. Put your relief pitcher in there. And, again, a left-handed guy comes out. you got Chapman in the bullpen. Why don't you bring in a left-hander to pitch to a left-hander? So, Schmidt, what does he do? Schmidt kills me. He, p- he throws a pitch. That's right down the pipe. The guy almost hits it out. So, what does he do? Throws the same damn pitch right down the middle. And the guy quanks it over the, over the fence. I hate Aaron Boone. I can't stand watching him manage a game. It drives me nuts. It, it you know what I think it is? And can Anthony Rizzo ever stop grounding into double plays? Can he ever take the damn ball the left side? Seriously. Anthony Rob, I Rizzo
1: mentioned this early me in the not. show. Yeah, you tell me What's what up? you think. Because I was talking What's about, up? you mentioned Clark Schmidt. And we yeah. played a cut of Aaron Boone when he was on with the K show earlier today. Right, right. What it tells me is that Aaron Boone, right now, I don't think he has any sort of conviction one way or the other on anybody in that bullpen, anybody yeah, in right. a particular role.
0: You're right like an experiment every night you don't know who's going to pitch you don't know what result you're going to you're going to get it all down yeah. but i mean i mean it just this is what bothers me so much about baseball why is jameson tying out of the game he looks fine why are we so obsessed with pitch count i mean bill james i mean like I, I, this guy ruined the whole game for me i can't st- but it's bill james bill james station. is
1: sitting there like hiding behind a chair like for all the shrapnel trying to get protected from it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I called the other
0: night when Larry was on, and every time I called was a bit of good luck, and after I got off the phone bitching about Boone, they ended up winning on a judge home run in a tent in Grand Slam, and I'm not saying they're out of this game. I'm just saying that Aaron Boone, uh, Aaron Judge batting first is asinine, which is, we get, I mean, I'm 38 Well, they want to get him at bats. They want to get him at bats. I, it's so ridiculous, though. I mean, guys, you got one. I know Higgy has a, a double here. Gets a double to lead off the inning, and, of course, you know, Judge is going to walk. So here comes Rizzo again. Rizzo's driving me nuts. The reason Rizzo's turning into Mark DeShera, oh, i got to pull the ball every time. He keeps pulling the ball into the ship one time in your life. Can you take the damn ball to left field? One time. You just do the right thing and move runners over. This is going to be another problem for this team in the playoffs. And besides the health and issues with their health and so forth, they just are such a poor situational hitting team at times when they need to move a runner they need to do something right. And, and again, they can blow you out fourteen to two, but when it's four to three, two to one, you know that's when they f- seem to fail in situations. But anyway, thanks for the time as always, man. Rob, we'll give some we'll good luck on ESPN. Rubs off tonight in the late inning, so we'll say. this game ain't
1: over. You know, the Sox bullpen is is a dumpster fire in their own right. Um, and look, the Yankees have late inning magic offensively. Judge is going to get another at bat. You know that. Um, so, at the very least, let me see, who made that last out there? Three, four. Uh, judge is going to bat again. Either in the eighth or the ninth inning, he's going to get up. He will get one more plate appearance. So, that could be an appropriate scene for setting a record and for making some magic here. I, you know, I, I can hear people about ready to throw things at the radio when I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because Rob was sitting there and he was carrying on about um, Jameson Tyo and why he takes him out that. of the game after six pitches and all that stuff. But guess what? Could it be, and it ties back into something that we said repeatedly, what if Aaron Boone right now doesn't really trust a heck of a lot of his starters and that he looks at Jamison Tyone as maybe, just maybe, a guy that he is going to need and a guy that he's going to have to call upon once the playoffs get here? Maybe not even in a starting, yeah, maybe not even in a starting capacity but somebody at the very least who's going to be called to come to get big outs. Remember, they didn't think Jordan Montgomery was capable of getting big outs for this team at the most opportune times in the playoffs. Maybe he looks at Tyone as one of those guys now because the pick of the litter isn't all that it's cracked up to be. So maybe they're preserving that arm. Because Jamison Tyone is a guy who has not exactly been an Ironman in his career. He has had his fair share of injuries and things that have kept him off the mound. They want to keep him on the mound. So I got no problem with him yanking him after 100 pitches, six innings. It was a good night at the office. You much rather would have Jamison Tyone for the remainder of the season as opposed to maybe pulling him early in a game against the Red Sox to where the bullpen maybe wasn't up to the task. But you know what? It also was a blessing in disguise because it shows you that in situations like that, you saw what Clark Schmidt just did. And it's, I think, a further audition for somebody like him. What is his role going to be down the stretch and into the playoffs in terms of getting money outs, high leverage situations? Guess who's on now to pitch for the Yankees? Aroldis Chapman. Does anybody know what to expect from him? I don't. So Boone is using these opportunities here, not even so much, hey, let's win the game or not. It's an audition for how am I going to use these guys when the games are even of greater importance in the playoffs. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. 919 That is the telephone number. We'll wrap this baby up. Turn things over to Larry and Gordon coming up. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Gross' show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. On this Thursday night, 800-919-3776. In case you're just joining us, Judge still stuck on 60. Four at-bats tonight. He's got three walks and a strikeout. Probably get one more before all is said and done. Rolling in the eighth inning here. And the Yanks find themselves trailing 4-3 to against the Red Sox. As Boston scores four in the seventh. Couple of home runs. Tristan Casas, solo shot. And then Reese McGuire, a three-run blast to go ahead. Both of them off of Clark Schmidt that Yankee bullpen there. So 4-3 Sox, uh, 14-13, Steelers on top of the Browns. That one just underway in the third quarter to start the second half. A missed extra point by the Browns, the difference in this football game so far. And, of course, Cleveland missing an extra point last week against the Jets, which allowed them to pull that comeback in the final two minutes of the game. Um, Football Friday show tomorrow. Looking forward to that, as per usual, a week three which is upon us already in the NFL. We will go through all the games. We will give you our picks, our picks, which have to be a lot better than they were last week. We promise they will be. Uh, We will talk to all the people that you expect to hear on Friday. We'll talk to Jordan Renan, give you a little Giants preview as they host the Cowboys on Monday night. Greg Buttle, my partner, will join us to talk a little Jets-Bengals on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. And I'm looking forward to that scene. We'll have our coverage, of course, beginning at 11 a.m., with the pregame show, cast of thousands, Nick Mangold is going to join us on the pregame show because he goes into the Jets' ring of honor at halftime. A couple of other surprises along the way may swing by. I can't disclose anything just yet, but I'm hoping to have a couple of others. Um, and you'll hear my conversations with Garrett Wilson and C.J. Mosley, which were pretty entertaining, to say the least. So all on Sunday, and they're really expecting a good atmosphere and a real good crowd out at MetLife as you should because anticipate you know the excitement is as high as it's been probably in a while for the Jets after the way they won that game. I know they moved a lot of units here in the last several days after pulling that comeback off against the Cleveland Browns there last Sunday. So plenty on the agenda here over the next couple of days for you and I in terms of the football. We won't ignore the baseball, of course, but you know the cool part about it is is it you know where's the record going to be by the time we sign on tomorrow? Is Judge going to be at 61? Is he still going to be stuck at 60? What's our conversation going to be like here in 24 hours? I guess we'll have to wait and see. And then more importantly, you know, Yankees, every win gets them a little bit closer, of course, to clinching a postseason spot in the month of October, which you know that they're going to get there. It's only a matter of time. Um, And the Mets scoreboard watching here for the next little while as that Braves and Phillies game inches towards completion. Phil's clinging, clinging to a one nothing lead over Atlanta in the eighth inning right now down there in Philadelphia. And if you really care about Toronto and Tampa being a threat to the Yankees, Rays right now all over the Blue Jays. It's 10-3 to in the eighth down at the Trop. So Toronto, who's six and a half back, they're not going to get any closer if that result holds and you expect that it would. That is our time for tonight. Thanks a lot to Harvey Cruz and Joe Leo for producing the program. Thanks to... Heidi Watney for hopping on, talking about the Apple TV broadcast tomorrow, which is going to be the Yankees and the Red Sox, of course. Keep it tuned because Gordon and Larry are coming up next, and they'll take you the rest of the night right here on 98.7. We will meet again tomorrow at 7 p.m., folks. Have yourself a great rest of the night.